Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. This is Doug Doherty. I'm from Sooner Country, Norman, Oklahoma. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha, Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Before we dive into our next exercise, <laughs> does it feel like things are going pretty fast? Let's just do a real quick temperature check. Are things going by pretty quickly? I think so. I can remember the first call. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Is it going too quickly? How's that pace going for you? No, I don't think it's going too quickly. This is Rick Rodriguez. Rick. Type of class, this type of endeavor. You can take it as slow and as fast as you want. Sometimes I think I'm going too fast. But I realize that when I get done with the 52 weeks, I'm going to start all over again. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, because you're going to have a new perspective at the end. When you're at the end, it's just something you're going to be kept wanting to go through your whole life, I think because it'll keep you on a path of growing and uh, expanding your consciousness. When you go through it next year, then you do it again, you're going to have such a new perspective on it and on yourself. And it seems like it goes too fast and sometimes too slow, but for me, I'm getting to settle in now finally after a couple months and understand more about myself, so it's going good. This is David. Pace of the class has been going great up until... Last week, we kind of got a little sidetracked on the call last week. I experienced a little bit of confusion in terms of, well, should I just forge ahead? I actually did not forge ahead. I kind of stayed a little more focused on exercise 7, delving into that a little bit more. I feel okay with that because I'm like, Rick, I I can't get it wrong. I'm not going to get it all done. Where I'm at is a good place. There's no pressure to do anything or not do anything. What I'm learning has been life-changing at this point. And the good news is I know that this is going to probably be a lifelong learning process for me. And I'm pretty excited about that because I like experiential learning just a little bit. So. <laughs> All right. So the general consensus is, is it's at a brisk pace, but at the same time, Rick, David, you do bring up an important point. I have a number of people who have told me that as they get into this, I was sharing with Marsha, A common occurrence to this is after our first year together, 
The second year bent with just observing, yet observing as you go through the book. So the first month, you're just observing how you feel about your material world. You're not necessarily doing any exercises. You're not necessarily doing all that much blogging or writing. You're just observing. You're allowing the integration time. Second month, again, you're focused on what are your skills? How are you utilizing skills? How are other people utilizing your skills? But again, it's more observational. Yeah? Yeah. After you've had that year of integration, the pieces fall into place much faster and much easier. I will reiterate, please know, however you take this, whatever pace you take this at, whatever you get out of this the first time around is perfect. That chaos committee, Marsha, out of curiosity, I'm wondering, Marsha, did your chaos committee, especially the perfectionist, have a bit of a party with you on your first couple of chapters with this because you got to do it right and you got to get everything out you can possibly get out of it and you're not doing it right and you're not <laughs> did you have any of that dialogue going on oh absolutely what really came over me was oh this almost seems overwhelmingly impossible to get all this done then going back to the ground rules realizing that Really, honestly, what I really want to do is absorb. And everybody's going to absorb at a different rate. So when I looked at it from that point of view, I said, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I will get through whatever I have to get through. That's another reason why I so enjoy revisiting the calls because it's like crucial for me to absorb more and more of this training that I'm getting here with rewiring my brain <laughs> because there's been years of wiring where I have to open my mind to being able to see the different perspectives of what you teach because it's a brand new journey that I'm on. It's completely different here. The more I absorb it, the more I understand, and it kind of soaks into my feeling, my being. If I don't listen to it, if I don't listen to it over and over again, it's almost like it's just knowledge at that point. I don't want it to be knowledge. I want it to soak into my being, to be me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> That's what I want to be able to not just know it, but feel it all the way through. It'll be a journey. I'm like so looking forward to what's next. And at the end of the year, what am I going to be like at the end of this year? I think that is so fascinating to me to say, wow, look at all I've discovered about myself. Look at what I'm feeling about myself now. That is so cool. And that's why I suggest at the end of every chapter a worth passport page. That process of boiling down what you experienced with the chapter, even though you may have journaled or typed or blogged or a dozen pages, boiling it down to that one page, that executive summary sort of thing. Then at the end of our journey, you've got 10 pages. Now that to me is your diploma. An organic diploma, meaning... You've now gone an entire year learning about yourself. That first page in your Worth Passport is almost a year old now. You've already changed since you wrote that first page, yeah? They're all stunned, Marsha. Absolutely, stunned. yes. Have vastly <laughs> changed already. Yes, so, absolutely. Whole years gone by. Think of how much you would change studying yourself, getting into why you think things. Absolutely. I know from my personal experience doing the skills inventory and writing down or typing, actually, the Worth Passport changed the perspective I had because I realized that there's so much that exists that I didn't know about. It changes your perspective on how you approach different situations to realize you have all these skills, you have all this unaccounted value really creates a different feeling 
which I believe in turn creates a different result. Mm-hmm. With that thought in mind, <laughs> I realize the to-do list is already quite lengthy. From time to time, you might want to go back and look at your one-page summary and go, hmm, how do I want to tweak this? How do I need to update it? Let your one-page summary, your worth passport, keep buffing it, keep buffing it so that as you're tempted to slip back into old routine. Speaking from firsthand experience, I know all too well how easy it is to slip back into old routines. <laughs> when I read my worth passport, there's an affirmation. Do I really want to throw out all of that work that I've done? and go back to those old routines? For me, the answer is, eh, no. <laughs> All right, then. Let us do some experiential stuff this evening. I need everyone to locate a sheet of paper and something to write with. We're going to do some brainstorming and some mind mapping. So, sheet of paper, something comfy to write with. Let's dive in. As we're getting ready, Marsha, earlier today as we were preparing for class, we talked about one of the speed bumps that we encountered in your class as you did this chapter for the first time. And that focused on the nuance between a skill and a what. As you look through your skill list, I'm wondering if you also wrote down what I would call traits. There's a difference between a skill and a trait. A trait like honesty, punctuality, absent-mindedness, cruelness, compassion. Tonya, I'm curious, does anything intuitively come to mind, Tonya, when you ponder the concept of a trait, as in a personality trait, and skill? Wow, does anything come to mind? No, not off the top of my head. Okay. Tonya, if you were going to make soup, what do you have to have to make soup? What's one ingredient you've got to have to make soup? Well, you've got to have water. Exactly. Without water, you've got a pretty dry, dry soup. soup. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could have freeze-dried. It's not always the tastiest, but... <laughs> <laughs> so... A skill is part of a trait. It's an ingredient of a trait. Follow? Yes. When you're looking at your skills list, is there a particular item on your skills list, Tonya, that jumps out at you that you might categorize now as a trait? Honesty. Beautiful. Everybody write down the word honesty in the middle of your paper and circle it. Now let's do some brainstorming out loud. You all can chime in as you see fit. What skills are the ingredients of honesty? I think speaking is an ingredient and a co-trait of honesty. Because if you're not able to communicate your thoughts, being authentic, that is going to hurt your skill. Even though the trait, you can lie, but people will eventually catch on to you. I know from personal experience, I can definitely say speaking, speaking authentically is Well, now that's two different things. We've got one skill of speaking and another skill of speaking authentically. So... Folks, write down the word speaking on some place on that piece of paper and circle it. And speaking authentically someplace on that piece of paper and circle it. Now connect those circles into our original trait of honesty. Draw a line connecting to it. What okay. other skills? Thinking. Okay. So writing the word thinking down as a skill on your sheet of paper, circle it, connect it into honesty. 
And now if we take the skill thinking, what are the skills you need to think? A subconscious mind that works and a conscious mind that works. Okay. I don't know how to illustrate that, though, because I believe you're born with it. Brain activity. Does the skill thinking require the skill of sight and hearing? I don't believe so. So you can think without seeing anything or hearing anything. And what you see or what you hear does not impact your thought. It, okay. What you see and what you think through your sensory perceptions do impact your thought. However, I would argue if you did not have those sensory perceptions, you could still experience the world in a different way because there are people who, unfortunately, don't have those. They have the ability to still think. Keeping this real, keeping it to your own mind mapping exercise, if you have access to the five senses, write them down on your sheets of paper, circle them, and connect them to other circles. See what we're doing here. Uh As we break it down, that sheet of paper is going to get really busy. And that one trait of honesty you will find has hundreds of skills. Those hundreds of skills will have hundreds of skills attached to them. Yeah? Yeah. One of the little things that I do for a party, I guarantee you this will spice up any party you want to throw. I go find those huge rolls of poster paper. So I create an 8 foot by 16 foot poster. As the party guests arrive, I have them go up to the sheet of paper. I have them write their name and circle it. I tell them, your goal throughout tonight, as we have our party, is I would like you to go up around your name and write down two skills you think you have. Then I invite other people who know you to write down their skills that you think you have. And let's keep mind mapping and brainstorming your skills throughout the entire party. At the end of the party, that 8-foot by 16-foot sheet of paper has no room left on it. And I ask people to think about this. The next time someone wants your time, the next time someone wants you to discount your time, Remember the sheet of paper. Feedback? Thoughts so far? Who wants to recap? Putting it in your own words, what are the differences between a skill and a trait? My thought was that a skill is something that doesn't necessarily have to be part of your personality. And the trait, your innate part of your personality Traits are part of your character. They're part of what make you unique from other people. Skills, what you learn along the way, you use to apply to certain parts of your life. Mm-hmm. That's Chris, are you beginning to, to see how your skills flavor your yes, traits? Yes, absolutely. And there are times when I find that they become intertwined and they become part of the same thing. I find that learning to be more compassionate has helped me in dealing with people, which is a skill. That's people skills. That's just one example. Here's how we start discounting our skills. Rick, you know how to put a website together, right? Sure. Putting a website together, I mean, literally starting from the very beginning as to how to purchase the domain name, how to set up a hosting service, how to get certain things installed so that you have a website. It may not be close to second nature, but you could do it fairly easily, right? Sure. Yeah, it's an easy thing to do. Agnes, if I came to you 
and said, Agnes, can you put a website together for me? What would you say to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Awesome. Don't even want to try. <laughs> However, Agnes, with your accounting background, if I needed expertise with putting together a sophisticated accounting process that could go into my website, now you could be able to handle that, right? I don't know if I can do a sophisticated one. I can do one. Agnes, anything more than a basic worksheet to me on Excel is sophisticated. <laughs> my point, anytime I have boiled a bunch of skills together, I know them. I know them like the back of my hand. I know them so well, I don't even think about it as I do it. I just know them. And it becomes a trait called confidence. Right? Follow? Yeah. Yes. When I'm confident about something, isn't that magnetic? Yes. Absolutely. Carl, when you meet someone who's really confident, and confident in a way that's not like arrogant sort of thing, I'm talking about you know they know their stuff. That's what I mean about confidence. How do you feel about that person? I feel I want to learn what they know, confidence, because I never really had a whole lot of confidence in myself. So therefore, I'd be wanting to learn from their confidence level. That's where I would go with it. And is that desire to learn, Carl, coming from the outside in or the inside out? Meaning, where's the source of your desire to learn? Coming from the inside because I want to be better than I am so that I can reach more people. I mean, I'm a people pleaser, I guess you could say. That's what drives me. I enjoy helping and doing things for others. So it gets me in a compassionate mode that I'll do anything for anybody even if it hurts me. It's not a good notion. That's why I'm here to try to change that. Why give without getting received and having the balance? And that's what I'm here for, the balance. So you've touched upon the key element, Carl. When someone who is confident inspires you to learn, right? Right. You're most likely going to do what it takes to learn it, yeah? Exactly. Versus, let's flip this around. More often than not, what I have found, especially with passionate teachers, is you need to learn this. I encountered a number of high school teachers who told me I needed to learn certain things that to this day, if you put the same test in front of me, I'd flunk it. <laughs> so the point to this is, as you learn your skills, and these skills become second nature, Marsha, let's talk about this whole aha you had around the concept of discounting your skills. Do you remember when that popped in? Yes. Yes, I do. That actually popped in with that first question that I was asked by Christina. Are you being paid what you're worth? For four and a half years, all I did was give my services, my time, my effort, and I always was of the belief that, hey, it'll come back somehow, some way. After four and a half years of crunching every month, saying to myself, okay, how am I going to pay bills this month? Having Christina ask me that question, wow, that was just a, an aha awakening moment of it's not going to fall down from heaven every month. It doesn't work like that. I have to change something. So taking this class was my first change and then really understanding what worth is, that my time is valuable, my effort, everything that is about me is valuable right now. I should not be discounting my worth anymore. So that was like <laughs> an eye-opening experience. Having believed throughout all these years that that was the right way to look at it, 
to not have my own cup full first was, whoa, I mean, that was an eye-opener. I never looked at it that way before. I never realized that that's what I was doing this whole time, was really just discounting my worth. And the easiest way to get into the discount mode, oh, it's so easy. I can do that. Here, let me take care of that for you. Who has a story they can share where someone approached them to do something because they know you can do it, and you can do it with your eyes closed, but they can't, and you did it for them, and then it seemed like there was scope creep to the request. First they wanted one thing, and then they wanted two things, and then they wanted four things, and then all of a sudden you found yourself doing all of this extra work for this person that you really didn't ask for. Does anybody got a story around that? I would have different friends that would want help removing viruses off their computer. And I remember in particular, when I was younger, he had a problem with their computer and then they needed some viruses removed. I agreed to it for a small fee and I went over and I removed the viruses. Then they needed help, but I spent maybe a couple hours just doing computer maintenance teaching, working on this computer, helping people. And this wasn't only an isolated incident that asked for my services just to do something basic on a computer and then needed a hundred other things done, that in all honesty, I think I could have charged way more, started my own business doing that. But I never did in the same fashion because I thought uh, along the same lines, if I just put out all my resources, help everybody, don't help myself at all, it'll work, and then I started to realize I really can't help people in need if I'm one of them all the time. Excellent example. Excellent example. I have a sneaking suspicion, Rick, you've probably run into clients who you've done a little web work for them, and because you did it so well and so quickly, because you know how to do it, then they wanted a little bit more, and then a little bit more. Has that ever happened? (laughs) Yes. All the time. In fact, most of the people have that mentality. The Americans that I've dealt with over the past 20 years on the Internet, they have that mentality. If I deal with Chinese, Japanese, South Americans, Hispanics, something like that, Europeans, they're not like that. So to me, in my experience, it's been an American thing. American. (laughs) But they're sort of like that. Give them an inch, they take a mile. Oh, he knows how to do it easy. Just let him do it. My mom's that way. Mm Mm-hmm. The point of this exercise, as we look at your skills, it's really important to start diving in to the fullest depth of your skills. Exercise eight, my skills as I see them. There's a bit of a paradox here. If I know how to do something so well, and I've been doing it, I've most likely forgotten how long it took me to get to that proficiency right? Of course, it takes years. For some skills, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a classic example of this is you watch one of those public broadcasting shows where you've got the master painter or the master chef or the master carpenter. And in 30 minutes or less, you've got a Rembrandt sofa-sized painting. You have a buffet for 40 people out of two cans of tuna and some noodles you have this beautiful back deck. They make it look easy, right? Right. They make it look so easy that, oh, I could run out to the local hardware store and pick that up, and I could do my bathroom now, right? Right. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever watch a video or a TV program or a how-to series or read a book and think, oh, I can do that? And then you go out and you get into it and you go, What the hell have I gotten myself into? (laughs) This is why I don't like cooking shows. Because (laughs) cooking shows, they make it look so easy to, like, make salmon on whatever, these dishes. And then I realize their kitchen's bigger than my house, and they have all the ingredients cut for them. Exactly. I have a story about that myself. When it comes down to doing things for people, I've oftentimes got myself into a situation like my dad said, go put a starter on the truck. And I'd watched him a hundred times to do it. I'd watched him and watched him and watched him. 
go put a starter on the truck. But dad, but dad, I never done it myself. Go put a starter on the truck. So I get involved in doing it, and I says, how did I get myself into this? Dad said, you got yourself into it because I wanted you to learn it. And if I didn't tell you go do it, then you weren't going to go do it. Just like another friend of mine, he swore it up and down. He could not drive a standard shift car. I drove my standard car in, and he drove my automatic car in. And I said, you know what? This car's not leaving this pit because it was a pit and had a road to come out of it unless you drive it out. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. He got in. He stalled it once. The next time he went out of there, and he never stopped driving a standard ever since because I programmed it into his mind that he could do it, and I wasn't going to give up. You're going to do it. Can you see the theme we're going on here? If you have a degree or a certificate of any kind, whether that's a grade school diploma, a high school diploma, a college diploma, upper level diploma, a training certificate, a marriage license, an award of any kind, even if you have a gym membership, in order for you to use that gym membership, You've got to tap into tens of thousands of skills. Yeah? Exactly. So part of this is waking yourself up to going, wow. I'm curious, Manita, do you have a particular program that you completed that they gave you some sort of certificate or award or or something like that that you're quite proud of? Have I completed one? Uh-huh. Yeah, not recently. I think it was in 13 I finished my medical billing and coding certification. Okay. Walk us through what it took to get that certification. First off, the place that you went to go to take the classes, was it right next door? Did you just walk right next door, or did you have to drive there? It was online. Even better. <laughs> yeah. So you have to use a computer, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's backtrack. Let's go back to when you first sat down at a computer. Did you know how to turn it on? Yeah, I knew how to turn it on. Okay. Then what? Well, are you talking about when I very first was introduced? to the concept of a computer. <laughs> I'm talking about that moment you sat down in front of something that had a screen and a keyboard and a mouse. All right. Geez, that was way back in 84. I was in college in Kansas at the time, and I wanted to be computer science. That's what mm-hmm. I was doing. Okay. And I didn't know the first thing about computers, but I knew they were interesting, and I wanted to figure out how they worked and how I could make a career out of it. I was kind of overwhelmed, and I was a little confused at first and frustrated, but the more I plugged away and the more I paid attention and made it to class all the time and got to know other people that knew about them, it got easier. So can you recall, if you want to do this whole time warp thing, is there something that when you were initially learning how to use a computer, when you first were learning, you were thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I'm ever going to remember this. And now, today, you do it without even thinking about it. Yes. What was it? Or what is it? How to use the F keys on there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Remember way back in 84, the operating system was DOS. Oh, yes. A lot of little control this, control that keys that you had to do. Yeah, the comma and the, the, all those little doodads that you had to remember to get your computer to work right or so it wouldn't shut down on you and stuff. But now the, the programming is a lot easier to learn, I think. You got to a point in time, though, even back then, you were doing keystrokes and commands almost like you were breathing, right? Yeah. What do you think my point is to all of this? Do you want to speculate? Your point mm-hmm. is, could it be how second nature it is to us after we learn something? 
mm-hmm. and we don't think about it anymore. It's just like breathing. And thus it's easy to discount what you've learned, right? Yes. I would like you all to stop and think how much time you have spent working to earn the money you paid to take a class. I would like you all to start thinking about how much money you have spent on gasoline to get from point A to point B to do something. I'd like you all to begin to remind yourself how many decades you have spent learning, integrating, learning, integrating at the cost of maybe you missed a birthday party. Maybe you forgot an anniversary. Maybe you missed a very important family event because you had to work overtime. All of this boils into the whole skills thing. That as we empower our memory with a fresh awareness of all of our skills, it took a lot of work to get those skills. True? True. Blood, sweat, and tears. So how much are you going to give away when someone tells you, oh, I can't afford your price. Can you drop it for me, please? I know the first place I would go is I would ask, I noticed you own the business. (laughs) And you do something I could never do on my own. I could never do what you do. How long did it take you to get that good at what you're doing? How much are you worth? I would gladly pay that. There we go. I think I would say, if they came back with the answer, oh, I can't afford that, I believe I would say, you can't afford to invest in yourself? Really? (laughs) That would be my first thought right there. You cannot afford to invest in yourself? Well, then what can you afford to invest in? If it's not going to be yourself, what is an investment to you? Marsha, you just hit upon the million-dollar question for our Chapter 2. Tonya, <laughs> Tonya, is it fair to say when you present an opportunity to people to support NSDF, or you present an opportunity to someone to support you. And whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's attention, whether that's respect, when they say they can't afford it or they don't have the time or whatever excuse that they've come up, if you apply the notion, Tonya, of a mirror, if you apply this notion of worth, When a person tells you they can't afford it or they don't have time, what are they really telling you? Care to speculate? They're really telling me that they don't feel worthy. They don't see the worth in themselves. Bingo. Bingo. Folks, did you get that? Are we being a little too esoteric at this point? It's just like, huh, what? I think another message they're communicating, especially in, I think, if it's for my business, if I need help with something, I can't do it at the moment. If somebody charges me a price and I really want to make something successful, it says to me, I don't want it bad enough. If Mm. I can't do SEO, if I can't do marketing, which I can't do well, and someone comes along and says, I'm a marketing expert, I can help you, well, cost couple thousand dollars and I say no that's too much what I'm really saying is I don't want to succeed bad enough bingo I have another example here and I think that it could really help with understanding truly understanding this whole picture of skills and then how we discount our skills or how we overlook our own skills and overlook the value of them So most people don't know that I have a bachelor's degree in education. 
most people don't know that I almost have a master's degree in training and performance improvement. I've even forgot that I ever got those degrees or ever had that education. In my daily life, I kind of forget all about it. This morning, Tanya came to me with a profile with a great opportunity, and she came and she said, I got a call from a supervising RN of an organization that provides home health care, and a lot of their clients have seizure disorders. And they would like us to do a training on seizure first aid for them. And I said, hey, cool, except I'm not going to do that training. You're going to have to do it yourself because my plate's full. (laughs) That might be a chuckle just for me. My first response was, oh, that's too much for me to handle right now. My plate's full. As we got to talking about it, I realized that I was coming from a place of lack. I was coming from a place of, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough of that. Blah, blah, blah. As we got to talking, looking at it, and then I got to reflecting on skills this week. Oh, wait. I know exactly how to plan, lesson plan this thing. This is, I know exactly how to create this training. Oh, I think I might be able to create this training experientially. Oh, Is anybody else able to do this? No, because they haven't gotten the education that I have. They haven't learned how to lesson plan. They haven't learned how to create an experience for people to learn while they're doing it. They haven't learned how to integrate different ideas together into one streamlined piece of learning. They don't know how to do that. And David, I want to integrate something that you're saying that so touches upon a topic that, Tonya, you brought up in your blog post. David, was it fair to say that initially when you got that request, your ego chimed in with, you're not something? You don't have enough time. You don't have enough experience. You don't have, your ego clicked in to defend you? Is that a fair statement? Yes. Tonya, I would love for you, if you're open to this, you shared it out on your blog post, you brought up a very poignant topic around this particular chapter. Would you mind sharing a bit of what you encountered? In your blog post, you brought up a topic that is absolutely the biggest obstacle to really assessing our skills. The topic starts with E and ends with O. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. It's our ego. What happened this week for you as you were diving into this skills process? determination happened, which was quite interesting because before I started this course, I never realized I was a person of determination. And just in the last week, I have realized I've been very, very mindful that I am a determined person. And I was determined to allow myself to see my own skills and to see the skills of others. In the beginning, when I first began the lesson, ego had me so tripped up that I was completely blinded to other skills. I was completely blinded to the word skill. I had no idea in that moment what the word skill meant. It was just really ego had me held down. And I stopped and I took a breath and I said, okay, enough's enough. I told Ego, enough's enough, I'm finished fighting, I'm finished playing, I'm finished whatever you think we're doing. You go sit in the corner and I'm going to figure this out. Because I was determined. I was determined to see my own skills. And it worked. An eye-opener, yeah? Yes. Mm -hmm. David, with all the skills that you have with that particular story you just pointed out. I'm wondering if it ever occurred to you that you could make some sort of training program that people have to pay for. We are actually doing that. (laughs) (laughs) What morphed out of my lack was an eye-opening experience of first, look at all these skills I have. Oh, I get to utilize more of my skills. Oh, that feels good. Oh, what if we combine this, 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 and this, and oh my gosh, nobody else is doing this for the nursing industry. Nobody. 
Bingo. Nobody's doing this. Oh, if nobody's doing this this way, what kind of value can we put on that? Bingo. And then I started throwing numbers around, and Tanya was already in the abundance. She was already in this, <laughs> that space of allowing, and she said, feels good, feels good, feels good. Done. That's perfect. <laughs> when we do that, it's almost like that creative flow just keeps flowing. Because oh, yeah. that is part of creating, right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, was that the explorer? Was that the well, explorer, <laughs> or was that the analyzer doing this? Oh, it was totally the explorer. It was totally, <laughs> get the heck out of your ego already. Get out of that. Stop analyzing. Stop the analysis paralysis about why you can't, can't, can't. And let's explore what if. What if we went down this road? What if we took it to a whole nother level and we got folks with seizure disorders involved in the training? I beg all of you to think about this. When our chaos committee starts yelling at the top of their lungs, when our judge, our perfectionist, our critic, our controller, when all of them start up in unison, all fed with this need to analyze, you're going to experience what Tonya experienced. You won't even be able to think. You can't even hear your own thoughts. Right? Yes. Right. So as you're doing this exercise, I beg you, be curious. Explore. There is no right way or wrong way with this. And for the controller and the ego, when it hears those words, there is no right way or wrong way. They're going, ha, ball, hockey. There is, too, a right way. And let me tell you what this – and off we go. Then the perfectionist chimes in. Then the judge chimes in. And now it feels overwhelmed. And this exercise is a bunch of bullshit, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> See how easy it is to fall into that, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you well as you take that sheet of paper that you've drawn in the middle of that sheet of paper, the word honesty, a trait, and you begin to unfold that, unblossom it. Imagine the word honesty in the middle of that sheet of paper that you've circled. Imagine that being a closed rosebud. And as we all know, a rosebud has to open on its own time. True? True. I could peel each petal to make it open, but it certainly isn't going to be that beautiful rosebud that blossoms all by itself. Yeah? Right. Yeah. I look forward to a dozen roses next week at this time. Let's do a quick temperature check after tonight who's starting to feel that they are worse oh me definitely i am <laughs> i sure am my value my worth just today alone and then tonight's reinforcing it with tonight's and has skyrocketed perfect so shall we take a few quick ahas manita any ahas today well, taking me back to when I first sat down at a computer was like, I didn't realize it. I did that when my son was just a baby, and he's 31 now. That was that long ago. I had an aha moment. I realized that I'm worth more than I thought I was. That's basically where I can go with it, because that's the way I feel. I feel like I'm worth more than I was before I started this journey. I never sat down and thought about all the things that I had and what kind of experience I had getting them and going into all the details. I did have something that I felt very proud of as I was growing up. I didn't graduate high school. I had to go back and get a GED, and I put a lot of effort into going getting picked up by somebody, taken there, they waited for me and what have you, because I didn't have my license at that point. And it was like week after week after week, I had to prepare for this particular subject matter or whatever and then take a test and got a real good grade, but it was a lot of preparation and a lot of personal stopping and thinking about what I learned over the high school years because I never finished high school. So that's where I go with that idea. Going through our exercises this week, I did realize that, yeah, I have a lot more skills piled on top of other skills, on top of other skills that I hadn't really thought about before, 
going through the class and everything has made me re-aware of them. Perfect. Rick, how about you? I guess from the lesson, the aha that I had mostly was that I'm getting to know myself more. I always had realized that I have a lot of skills because when I worked in surgery, they would make us list them and we would go through skills lists for every like general surgery, OBGYN, whatever. So all of us knew the skills that we had to have just to have a regular job. So it was something I did all my life, like sort of evaluate myself. And the real aha I had took me back to a realization that I had when my daughter was really small. And so it's been helping me get back on the path I want to be on. That's the aha that I've been having. I'm getting to know myself better from the whole process. So thank you. Well, thank you, Rick. Temperature change, I always, actually, funny enough, today, since I'm interviewing for jobs, people would always ask me, oh, you have these qualifications on your resume, you can do this, this, and that. And they asked me, what are you looking for salary range? And I gave them one. And they came back to me and said, well, with all these skills, shouldn't you be at this? I said, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't really argue with them. If you want to give me, I'm not going to say the number. I was surprised. I'm like, yes, I agree. I wasn't like, no, 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 I'm not worth that. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.